0: Glad you're with us as we kick off the final hour, OutKick 360, across the OutKick Network, Thursday edition coming up. One big thing on every NFL game that's in about 20 minutes with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Chad, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Plenty of good uh, news to report in regards to um, Damar Hamlin, uh, the Bill's safety. Um, Doctors were as positive as we could have hoped for today in the presser we've played a bit of that just prior to kicking off hour number three we'll get back to that a bit later uh but first we say hello to Dave Lappin Cincinnati Bengals radio analyst who has been nice enough to join us um and you can follow him on social at DL in the trenches longtime analyst for the Bengals and uh unfortunately in this case was in the booth when all this went down at the stadium on Monday. Dave, thank you for the time and the perspective today. I, I know you've been busy, it's been a surreal week, and I know you echo, uh, without even having to chat with you today, uh, the news that we've received from Cincinnati, from the University of
1: Cincinnati Medical Center. There's no question. Uh, thanks for the opportunity to visit uh, Jonathan and Chad. And and it, it is, it, it's good news uh, coming from the University Medical Center. Um, you know, you, you have DeMar who actually communicated by written form, that tells you that the brain's firing. You know, he, he verbally, is going to have difficulty because he's still got the breathing tube. But he's progressing along those lines. And you know, once they get him to, uh, he's over fifty percent now. Once they get him to hundred percent, without having to use, you know, a tube or a ventilator, you know, then then it becomes what, how long before they he can be discharged? Uh, he's got movement in his hands, movement in his feet. His brain function looks like it's in, in really good shape. So a lot of great news um, has, has come out of uh, the UC Medical Center. And, and boy, kudos to them and kudos to everybody um, that was involved with the medical support teams, with the Cincinnati Bengals and the Buffalo Bills. I mean, this this his well-being right now is a tribute to how quickly they got out there and got after CPR and defibrillator activity to bring him back. I mean, he was gone no heartbeat and they brought him back. Um, so the game wasn't played. There was no winner declared in the game, but Hamlin obviously won. He got his life saved and all the medical people were winners by saving his life. So there were winners in, uh, that football game on Monday night.
0: No doubt. Dave Lapham joins us. He was on the call for this for the Cincinnati Bengals radio network. Dave, I mentioned uh, earlier this week on, on Tuesday, um, during my time with Titans Radio, we had a, a, an emergency plan, broadcast plan for like weather-related things. We were a, a part of the longest broadcast in NFL history, uh, game in NFL history, the, it, with the delays that we had in Miami a couple years back in week one. And I got to thinking about, and it has nothing to do with the stadium, but the medical team that you mentioned, your broadcast team, and everything involved, uh, everything from the Ryan Shazier injury to the Tua injury concussion earlier this year to now with Damar Hamlin, uh, this medical staff and emergency personnel, they have been on alert and they have been able to be first responders. Uh, and, and thankfully, uh, thankfully so in this regard, because they were great in all, in all regards, you have seen and gone through quite the gamut here of emergency situations that none of us has been through before. What was the weight like in this regard compared to the other two I just referenced?
1: Yeah. And, and we'll throw David Pollock in there or fractured yes. his neck and there was, yes. there was a big, you know, a delay with respect to that injury. And those are all significant, severe injuries, but those type of injuries, you know, it, it, that's the unfortunate part of it. When you sign up, you know, you might be susceptible to it. Uh, if you play football at any level, you're, at 100% injury risk, 100% of the snaps. I mean, that's just the nature of the beast uh, deciding to play the game. But to have a life-threatening injury and, and actually, you know, cardiac arrest where you have no heartbeat and they bring you back, you, you just don't even fathom that. And and really, when I, when I looked down in the field and I saw the coaches and players for the Buffalo Bills crying, vomiting, turning away, couldn't look at it. I knew that well, this, this is serious now. We have, we have major league problems here. And, uh, man, the, the way the medical teams responded, and, and they, they have that um, emergency action plan, that the 60-minute meeting um, before every game, all the medical people meet as a, as a group, the doctors, the technicians, the trainers for the football teams, and everybody has responsibility. In that uh, that that's reviewed in that 60-minute meeting for the emergency action plan. So almost like a great team, you know, when you play great team defense, everybody's where they're supposed to be, when they're supposed to be there, doing what they're supposed to do. That's what this medical team was. I mean, these guys, they, they executed to perfection. You hope you never have to execute, but they came out and executed to perfection. The timeliness, the precision, the professionalism, I mean, you know, professional CPR and and uh, defibrillator. It's you're you're talking minutes. You're talking potentially seconds that may have affected um, the outcome of what might finally be for Demar and you know, hopefully he ends up having a quality of life that'll be decent, a good one. And and it's kind of it's kind of arrowing that way. And I think you know that 60 minute meeting and the emergency action plan that the league has going on. On high alert, you know, every, every, mm-hmm. every week they, they review the protocols. That was big-time stuff.
2: Dave Lappin with the Cincinnati Bengals Radio Network is our guest on Outkick 360. Unfortunately, Dave, for all the reasons Hutton just referenced, it feels like that Bengals fan base has become accustomed to how to deal with a situation like this in their stadium. I, I marveled at the level of respect and silence in that stadium throughout all of this. Uh, there were no shouts of anything. There was not a single boo when the game was clearly going to be, you know, postponed and not played. Um, what did you make of that Cincinnati fan base combined with the Bills fan base and just the overall scene in that stadium of full reverence for the situation that was going on and just how critical the situation was
1: on Monday night? Yeah, that's, that's a great point. And I think, uh, you know, the Bengals fan base and the Bills fan, base they showed a lot of class and I saw fans hugging, you know, Bills and Bengals fans were hugging each other and asking, is there anything you, what can I do to help you? You know, I mean, it was, it, it was incredible. Um, and, and it trickled down. I've heard from a lot of fans after that game that were saying that the interaction, in the fan base was almost like the players, the players, players were gladiators getting after each other. And as soon as the trauma took place, they became family, <laughs> went from opposing gladiators to one big family and, and, and trying to help each other as much as they possibly could. That's what the fan bases became too. Instead of, you know, opposite uh, fan bases rooting for uh, the, the local team, it was like, well, what can we do to help each other? This is this is unprecedented. What What's going on here? Uh, and I think, you know, Buffalo and Cincinnati are very similar in that smaller markets, you know, and they don't have all the major league sports. They don't have NBA. They don't have NHL. They, you know, they, the Bengals have, uh, Cincinnati, I should say, have the Bengals and the Reds. But, I mean, it's like the, the, the football teams are very, very important to the community, you know. So I think there's a, a there's a common denominator there. Um, and, yeah, I, I thought that the respect that was shown there was was, uh, was tremendous as well. There's no question.
2: Dave, you could probably teach a class now on how to handle difficult situations as a broadcaster, Most people have seen the ESPN coverage of it with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. They really just couldn't say much of anything and wouldn't say much of anything and kept throwing it to break. When you're in that moment on the radio network, how do you go about handling that where you don't want to speculate too much, but yet you want to give the audience some sort of picture of what's going on and, and what's happening? I feel like you're the perfect person to ask for any young broadcaster out there how to handle a situation like that. How did you handle it how would you handle it moving forward
1: you know try to deal with the facts as much as possible I mean I saw the CPR going on so I knew oh this is this is different but you don't want to speculate is he alive or not you know but I mean CPR you're bringing him back that's the that's the nature of CPR so it's like oh my gosh and and I just said there had been CPR going on here on this on this man for 10 minutes. And, and then the defibrillator – so, I mean, you try to you, – you, you try to uh, give facts as much as possible. But And then as a former player, you know, I was relating to what the other players were feeling because I'd been on the field, you know, where there were instances. I was on the field one time when a linebacker in a goal line situation made a hit on a running back and he went into a seizure and he was making these guttural sounds and his eyes rolled up and his tongue was, you know, curling – and I thought, man, has the devil got this guy or what? I mean, it was crazy. And its it was so scary, you know, and it's like, uh, when is this going to end? And then eventually the medical people get out there and, and they gave him an, an injection and, you know, it curtailed it and all that. And we never cleared the field, you know, and they they get him off the field on a stretcher. And it's just like, OK, here we go. And I look at the guy next to me, at the, you know, in the offensive line, I'm like, dude. We're going to go do the same thing that that guy just was in that state, you know, after after that happened to him. To compartmentalize that kind of stuff and move on is very difficult, you know. And so I was relating some of those kind of experiences where, man, it's not as easy as people think. I mean, you, we're, it's, it, they're not robots out there, even though it looks like it with the helmet and the equipment and all that. That's people, man. And they have a heart and they have a brain and they have emotions and everything else, just like every other human being. So that, that's the kind of stuff that I was talking about. And I was saying multiple times, you just can't play this game. You know, I mean, (laughs) seeing that, a life and death situation, seeing that, you can't compartmentalize that and and move on and play effectively, you know, for the rest of the football game. And I thought the other thing uh, also, um, I thought Sean McDermott and Zach Taylor, in in a crisis moment, the character of a human being shines through. And these two guys showed high character. I mean, it was compassion, composure, you know, it it was amazing how they led their football teams. And then when both teams cleared the field, you know, well, before they cleared the field, Joe Burrow is hugging Josh Allen and, um, you know, Zach Taylor's hugging Sean McDermott. And then they clear the field and then uh, Joe Burrow and the other captains go down and talk to the Buffalo Bills captains and players. It's like, man, in, in, in the adversity, in the crisis moments, Again, guys show their character, and the guys that you hoped would did. You know, your head coach, your quarterback, your captains. That, that was that was powerful stuff. There's no question about it.
0: Dave Laugham played the game. Now he calls the game for the Cincinnati Bengals Radio Network. Um, are, are, you, are you on board with the overriding? It sounds like we're headed in the direction of a potential no contest. I know they haven't officially said that. I don't know how the standings play into it. I know they're not going to play this game. They're not going to resume this game, Dave. Um, Right. But in in regards to how they determine the playoffs and all this, and and, and specifically with the Bengals and Bills, and you know the Cincinnati path much better, I'm sure, um, what do you make of – there's no perfect scenario now. What do you make of the scenarios that have been thrown out there?
1: Yeah, you're right. There's no perfect scenario, and I think as they're going through the options, there's pros and cons. And, you know, you make a choice on one, what's the ripple effect? how much damage is done to how many other organizations kind of thing and try to go along to one that is the least amount of, uh, you know, collateral damage that's done. But in my opinion, um, they set up protocols during COVID for this very thing. They thought that never make it through a season without missing games. And not every team is going to play the same number of games during the COVID year as others. Well, they didn't. Everybody played the same number of games they get through COVID but then this crops up, and it's – so they went through all that time and energy to put these uh, protocols together for COVID. Utilize it, you know. At the, it's in the league rules. Utilize it. And now it's don't play that game, and now it's winning percentage. So that's, that's – right now the Cincinnati Bengals have won the division, win or lose for the Baltimore Ravens. And I'm sure the Baltimore fans aren't happy about that, but you just have to feel like you know, gosh, you take care of business the week before against the Steelers. It's a different dynamic. you know, I mean, everybody's not going to be happy about it, obviously. And then it, it, this weekend, if the bills do lose to the New England Patriots and the Bengals uh, do beat the Baltimore Ravens, the the Bengals go to the number two seed, Baltimore, because they both have twelve and four records. They both be eight and three in the conference, and then the Bengals win on a on a bigger on a lower tiebreaker and the Bengals would move to a number two seed, and, and Buffalo would fall to a number three seed. So, you know, there's an incentive for the Bengals to play their people, and ironically, you know, everybody's talking about, boy, the bye. They're they saying, do you give a team the number one seed, which will probably be the Chiefs, with some of the things they're talking about, They with the number one seed can get either a bye or home field through the entire playoffs and play every week. Which would you do? I'd take the bye. That's what everybody's fighting for. Um, the, the bye is uber important. You do want to get guys healthy. The one silver lining is not very shiny silver is that the Bengals only played nine minutes of football. It was not a bye. They had to go through all the preparation, all that sort of thing, practice. But this time of year, they're not hitting each other. And they have their injury report came out today. They have nobody. Mm. Nobody in the injury report because they didn't have to play a football game. Unfortunately, Buffalo has a devastating injury uh that that happened with them playing the game, but the Bengals ended up being very fortunate in that 9 9 minutes instead of 60 minutes of football was a not a full buy, but I mean they didn't beat themselves up like they could have playing in that football game. So it's 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 crazy how the whole thing, you know, again, people are going to be Oh, that's an advantage. That's an advantage. Why do they get that advantage? Bottom line is, whatever decision is made by the league, it should have the Buffalo Bills as consideration to them first and foremost in any decision that's made. Period, because they're the ones that are <laughs> that are hurting the worst through this thing. I mean, they're they're uh, grieving the the injury of their teammate, and I mean, it's it's going to be very interesting. They play the Patriots, and they play in Buffalo now the mafia is going to be going crazy now there's going to be big support in that football game but you know and now that that the signs are indicating their teammate Hamlin is arrowing up they should be okay in that football game but boy when you thought about it right after it happened the day the day after two days after geez, you got to play a, Patri- a patriots team that's a division rival that's well coached that's a tough dynamic man you have to have t- laser focus on that football game I and mean, i can't get laser focus you know, I, I can't yeah. sleep. I'm still worried about my teammate. That would have been a that's a very tough dynamic. So, you got to do everything you possibly can to understand to the best of your ability what they're going through and and be respectful and mindful
0: of it. On top of the fact that the Patriots need a win to get to the postseason, that's the other factor right. here. Dave, uh, final thing for in great perspective there uh, for sure. Um, If you would have asked me a month ago, I would have compared Cincinnati to Cincinnati of last year. I I felt like people were overlooking them in terms of AFC contenders. I don't think that's the case anymore with the run they've been on and the way Burrow has been throwing the football. Where is this team very similar to last year's group from what you have observed this year? And where are they the most different playoff-wise as you enter the postseason?
1: Yeah, uh, first question first, I guess – where they're different this year, they're on a seven-game winning streak. And they were honestly playing pretty darn well. From a football standpoint, Joe Burrow was lighting it up. I mean, man, this this Buffalo Bills defense, number two in the NFL in points allowed, number one in the NFL in red zone defense, only 44% of the time allowing a touchdown. The first drive, Joe Burrow takes him on a five-play, 75-yard touchdown drive. And one play in the red zone, they touchdown pass, 14 yards, to Tyler Boyd. It's like so much for that number one red zone defense. And they only had five plays. Three of them were first downs and they get a 29 yard pass interference, 24 yard completion and a 14 yard touchdown. They had third and a foot is the only third down they had in that drive. They were slicing them up. And then Buffalo comes back and the Bengals defense has a red zone stand and, and holds them to a field goal. So now Buffalo's left four points in the field. The Bengals didn't. They, they scored. it, And then their next possession, they're moving it again. And then the, the tragedy strikes. But they were cooking. <laughs> so I think, you know, that could have been win number eight. Maybe against Baltimore this Sunday, it will be win number eight. To win eight games in a row, it's not just the eight-game winning streak. It's when it happened. The Bengals have had an eight-game winning streak before. 2015, they started the season off 8-0. But that's when... You're still trying to find your identity. You know, you, you're not really sure about who you are and what you're doing yet. And winning eight in a row, is it's an accomplishment, but not like the last, the eight games they're on a winning streak now. Everybody knows who they are, what their strengths and weaknesses are. They have an identity. They're trying to make the playoffs. They're trying to get as best to seed as they possibly can. And you go on a seven-game and hopefully more winning streak at that time, that's the big difference. Uh, they're, they're catching fire at a very, very opportune time, people were worried about when they started off 0-2, people were like, oof, you got to get some win equity in the first half of the season because the second half of the season, the schedule's brutal. They've run it. I mean, they're running the table on it. That's, I think that's a big difference um, you know, with this football team. And I think the other biggest difference between this year's team and last year's team is the offensive line. You know, Joe Burrow got smashed around last year and the Bengals uh, in free agency, they they got their... They're starting center, they're starting right guard, and their right tackle up until the last game. L.C. Collins goes down, um, and then they drafted in the in the fourth round their left guard. So four out of the five guys are different in free agency in the draft, and they're they're playing at a very high level right now. They're doing a good job in the seven game winning streak. They've only allowed 12 sacks, and uh, they're protecting Joe Burrow, and and giving him an opportunity to to make good decisions. And when that happens, he can light you up.
0: I'm on board with Cincy out of the AFC. I have been for the last month or so. They, they have been clicking on all cylinders. I'm, I'm, I want to see more of their run game over the last three or four weeks because they're going to lean on that at some point in the postseason run. But I do think they have the talent to pull it off, and I'm excited to see if they can get back to the Super Bowl. Dave, thank you, uh, thank you for the time. Great perspective on Monday and just overall in general. And uh, here's hoping over the playoff run we'll have you back on.
1: Jonathan Chad, appreciate it. Appreciate the uh, the invitation to visit, and, and thanks for your time. There thanks you go. so much, Dave. Always great. Appreciate Dave Lappin,
0: it. Uh, one of the uh, the solid guys across the radio networks uh, in the NFL, no and doubt. does a great job with the Cincinnati Bengals radio network there with his perspective and analysis. Coming up, um, Bengals Ravens. He mentioned there one of the games for Week eighteen. One big thing on every NFL game that's next as we get you ready for the final week of the regular season on OutKick three hundred and sixty. From 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. Get some headlines coming up. Uh, great chat there with Dave Lapham.
2: Yeah, good and, dude.
0: Yeah, and, and awesome to have Scott Stallings, both of them, on earlier uh, in today's show. If you uh, missed part of that or any part of today's show, you can always visit outkick.com. Click on shows. You can find Outkick 360 there subscribe on YouTube and always you can search out the show wherever you download your audio Chad every week at this time oh I know what time it is it is time for one do thing you know what time it is huh? on every NFL game oh yeah So be careful about which playoff bound teams rest key players here that's your betting note this week A lot of coaches quiet on how much key players are going to play so keep that in mind your Saturday games you got two of them. Chiefs at Raiders, Patrick Mahomes, well, no Tyreek Hill, no problem for the MVP favorite. He just notched the second 40-touchdown passing season of his career, and he has now passed for 5,000 yards for the second time in his career. He is one of only three quarterbacks in NFL history to do that two times in a single career. The others are Drew Brees and Tom Brady and now Patrick Mahomes. Kansas City has less than 90 yards rushing in three of their last four games. They've averaged, or they did just average, uh, less than three yards per carry this past Sunday. Jarrett Stidham for the Raiders threw for 365 yards and three touchdowns in his first career start for Las Vegas. Isn't it crazy? Yeah, that, that's nuts with Jared Stidham, but to
2: see a move of that magnitude with Tyreek Hill leaving, the Chiefs, to go to the Dolphins, but for it to work out for both sides. Yeah. I mean, Tyreek Hill has been amazing. Yes. And has not dropped off at all with the Dolphins.
0: Right. And then same goes for Patrick Mahomes. Pretty incredible. I want to mention, too, that uh, this is through Schefter. Teams that have played the 49ers this season are now 0-14 the next week. The Raiders lost in overtime 37-34 to the 49ers last week. The Titans are 7-9. and The Jacksonville Jaguars are 9-8. and They could end with the same record and if they do if the titans beat the jags saturday night they are the afc south champions if the jags beat the titans they are afc south champions they're the fourth seed in the afc playoffs the jaguars have not given up a touchdown in either of their last two games the titans picked off prescott twice last week they're tied for six in interceptions with 14. they have five picks in their last three games so they need to create some turnovers against Jacksonville and, and Trevor Lawrence. If the Titans win, they're the fourth team in the NFL, Chad, in NFL history to win their division with a losing record, if they win. Um, or, and so you've got a situation where you have the two 2020 Commanders, the 2014 Panthers, and the 2010 Seahawks. This is a Titans team that was seven and three, and they could join that trio.
2: Was it, so it was 2010 where the Marshawn Lynch, where they registered an earthquake game, yep. where he went beast mode when yep. they were 7-9 and nine and yep. beat the Saints that year. That's it. I keep having that team pop in my mind with whoever with, wins this game. For whatever reason, I keep thinking, watch the same thing happen. With One Henry? of these teams from this miserable division <laughs> is going to win a game and host a playoff game and have some huge moment with a big crowd reaction to it, and they're going to beat somebody really good in the playoffs, just like the 2010 Seahawks that shocked everyone.
0: Another miserable division, the NFC South. Yes. The Bucks are 8-8, eight and eight, Falcons are 6-10. and 10. The Bucks are now back-to-back division champs for the first time in team history. Mike Evans is back as well. Three touchdowns last week, all three touchdown passes from Brady, back to the number one receiver who had three coming into the game. He had three last week. Desmond Ritter. Has completed nearly 70% of his attempts over his last two starts for Atlanta. He was 3-for-3 on the Falcons' game-winning drive against the Arizona Cardinals. The Falcons will guarantee a top-10 pick with a loss. The question is, is Brady playing or not? Brady has not missed a start unless it's due to injury or suspension. Just keep that in mind. And he said post-game last week that he wanted to play. And Without saying he wanted to play, he mentioned the only times he's ever missed a start. We'll see if he plays against Atlanta in a meaningless game for Tampa. Patriots are in Buffalo. They can earn a playoff spot with a win in their final regular season game. They need to finish nine and eight. The Bills are 12 and three. We know they're not going to make up the game against the Bengals. The Bills are just 10th in red zone offense. They score on 60% of their red zone opportunities. Uh, They have been great inside the 20, though. Recently, they converted 14 of their last 17 trips into touchdowns instead of field goals. And it's been a talking point all week, but how do the Bills play after what has been a hectic week? And against a division rival in New England, that has got to win. We the, had them. We I had, think
2: all eyes are going to be on the Bills in this, in the reaction to what is the obviously the
0: biggest story in the country, no doubt. Uh, Vikings and Bears, twelve and four against thirteen and three. Nathan Peterman is going to start. The Bears can clinch the number one pick in the draft with a loss and a Texans win over the Colts. They're going to assure themselves
2: of that. Yep.
0: <laughs> you know how we're going to do it, guys. We're going to start Nate Peterman yep. in this game, and we're going to make sure we get that number one overall pick. You know how the Vikings can lose? Targeting Justin Jefferson only five times in a game with one catch. That's how you lose. They lost last week. They boat raced by Green Bay. Jefferson 229 yards away from 2,000 on the season. Would be a career high, of course, uh, if he had 229, but also a franchise and NFL record 2,000. No receiver has ever reached that mark. Justin Fields, by the way, has been great running the football. Awful throwing the football. It's Nathan Peterman this week, though, at quarterback.
2: Crazy is it of all the teams in college football history that the 2013 Tennessee Vols that were not any good would have two guys on that team that were quarterbacks in the same roster starting an NFL game (laughs) on (laughs) on the same weekend with Josh Dobbs and Nate Peterman.
0: That is great perspective.
2: And who knew? That era. I mean, nine years later from that season.
0: Yeah. Nine years later, they're gonna have two quarterbacks in the league. It's starting. The Vols are back. On the same weekend. I mean, <laughs> no, if you ever want to decide that Tennessee is back, <laughs> Texas, not back. Not back. Vols back. Ravens, Bengals, Joe Burrow, 16 touchdown passes in his last six games. The Bengals run game, though, we hit on this with Lappin. they've really been just mediocre to barely average. They they've averaged two point eight yards per carry in their last two games. in their last six they've got to get more out of Mixon and that entire group as they go into the postseason the Ravens defense they've allowed 14.7 points per game in their last 10 games but without Lamar Jackson the problem here is they're averaging 12 points per game as an offense so the defense has been excellent the offense has been putrid they lead Lamar Jackson back and we still await word on his official status as we go into the weekend on these Sunday games.
2: It's still crazy their record is so good. When I looked up and just saw on Sunday night football this past week, yeah, Sunday night football. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, they're 10 and 5, or no, whatever take, yeah, it was. They're 10 yeah. And five now.
0: yeah. I mean, crazy. Uh Texans Colts, 12-13 and one against 4-11 and one. Uh, the defense, they've allowed 27 or more points in five of their last six games. Um, This is the Colts, so quarterback isn't their only issue. The Colts' offensive line, they've allowed 58 sacks this season. Only the Broncos' offensive line has allowed more. If the Texans win and the Bears lose, the Texans fall to the second pick in the draft. How do you tank? Well, you play like you did against Jacksonville last week. Against the run allow gashing plays you end up with the number one overall pick you end up with Bryce Young if you want him a year from now I
2: love just talking about the ways to lose if you really want to lose this game yeah well, we know the route to doing that you start someone who's terrible at quarterback and your defense doesn't play inspired and you're going to get that top pick
0: the Colts by the way they can get a top five pick with a loss they're guaranteed that they could get as high as a top three pick with a loss and some other things happening Rams, Seahawks will go rapid fire through the other meaningless games before we get to the afternoon. Rams, Seahawks, DK Metcalf, just two 100-yard receiving games this season. Stunned by that, especially with the year Geno Smith has been having. Yeah. Really surprising. Meanwhile, um, what the, the job that we have seen in the backfield for Seattle, that has really propelled them to where they are. We're currently, they're in the postseason. They're rooting against Green Bay. Seahawks 8-8. They need another win to even have a shot at the postseason. Win or lose, the Rams will have the worst win percentage of any team in league history after winning a Super Bowl. They're currently at 5-11. Cardinals and 49ers. Christian McCaffrey for San Fran. Perfect for this offense. 688 yards from scrimmage over his last five games. Cowboys and Commanders. Dak Prescott, interception prone. 12 over his last eight games combined. But the Cowboys' offense, they're averaging 36 points per game over their last nine games. The picks have not slowed them down from putting up points. Meanwhile, the commanders are out, even though Ron Rivera may not know it. They're 7-8-1. They can't make the postseason. Um, Chad, the, the other late afternoon games, Chargers-Broncos, uh, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, they're both on the field over the last four weeks. Chargers are 4-0. Allen and Williams, they've combined for 57 catches over the last four weeks for nearly 700 yards. They're clicking. And Justin Herbert's production is going along with that.
2: Yeah, and it's finally a team that's starting to deliver on some expectations. And we talked to Dave Lapham about Cincinnati. What's most impressive about this win streak? Where it's coming. Same goes for the Chargers.
0: They're playing well at the right time. Solid, yeah, and a win guarantees the Chargers a matchup in the AFC South in the wildcard weekend. If they win, on the road in Denver which is not easy because the Broncos have played the tweet the the, the, the Chiefs they played them what twice over the last Had a chance three or last four weekend. weeks and after holding them they no they've lost by three and six points to Kansas City so their, their defense and then Russell Wilson didn't play back
2: and I got caught up in some Chiefs traffic driving through Kansas City the past weekend sure after that, that, that game I, I I was listening to the game on the right the, oh my this game is at Arrowhead right now, <laughs> so this may not be good for driving through Kansas City. wasn't too bad, but uh, stopping along the way, saw a lot of Chiefs fans headed east from that game. Very polite fan base, by the way. Very polite, very Midwestern, very grounded Midwestern fan yeah. base. Yeah, that Kansas I agree. City Chiefs fan base.
0: Yeah. Uh Eagles. They need to beat the Giants. They, if, if they do, they're the number one seed. They are the division champ. If they lose to the New York Giants. The Cowboys win. The Cowboys are winning that division. The Philly defense had seven sacks this past week. That's a franchise record now. 68 sacks on the season. They've had 32 sacks in their last five games. And they have now registered, they're the first team in the Super Bowl era, to have at least half a dozen sacks in five straight games. That is insane. The, like... Every little area of this team, you can pick out and say why they can win a matchup. It's – most with most Super Bowl
2: hopeful teams, you point to one area of expertise and say this is what they're going to flex in the playoffs and win it. You could pick any one of them with the Eagles this year. It really is amazing how adept they are almost everything
0: with this team. And they had 38 points, the Giants, I'm saying. Sorry, the 38 points. The second time this season, the Giants have scored more than 24. That was last week. So they've been winning. They're 9-6-1. and one. They're in the postseason. But they normally don't score that much. And now they're facing a defense that doesn't allow much. And, you know, the Giants are pretty much, you know, they're wrapped up in what they're going to get as a wild card. Meanwhile... They can send multiple teams to the number one overall seed, potentially. New York could. They could knock Philly out of it. New York, New York could send Philly to the wild card weekend, which is insane to think about where, where they were at 11-1 Yeah. with all this. That's a big game. Um, the biggest, Sunday night football. Now, the Lions could be eliminated from postseason contention based on the result of the Seattle Seahawks matchup earlier in the day. They're 8-8. Eight eight. So one of the two teams could could know their fate. The Packers will not until the end of the game. It's eight and eight lines at nine and eight Packers on Sunday night football. The Packers have found their run game and their defensive takeaways. The Packers have 12 takeaways over the last four games. All of those have been wins. And their run game, I mean, they ran all over Minnesota a week ago. And that is really where they found their offensive momentum. It's through their run game, the two-headed monster with Jones and it's not necessarily the receivers coming into a rapport and a chemistry with Rodgers that's factored in but they are able to lean on the run game and they are mauling people and their defense is getting after and getting extra possessions for Aaron Rodgers the Lions though they can score on anyone fifth in the league in scoring they've put up 30 or more points in eight of their 16 games this season uh the last time these two teams played by the way the final score was 15 to 9.
2: Which would surprise you for a team that can score on anyone, and with Aaron Rodgers the quarterback of the other team, that it would be that low scoring. This is maybe my favorite game of the weekend. Sunday Night Football? I'm also very excited that of uh, all the talk this year, we've got Aaron Rodgers in a win and in
0: scenario. How, well, how about this? After for the playoffs, two weeks who, ago, who would have thought? Two weeks ago, we had the discussion like, do we even care that Rodgers and Brady aren't going to be in the postseason? Right, it didn't look like it. And now both of them, oh, we know Brady's in and now potentially Rodgers is the seven seed. Do you buy into the fact that Green Bay will be better as the seven seed instead of the one seed? Many are trying to make that argument because there's no pressure on them whatsoever. I think that they're
2: in a really good spot. I, I don't know, it's hard to weigh in on because the buy and everything else, if they'd be better as, I, I can't argue they'd be better as the seven as the one, as opposed to the one, but the way they're playing and the fact that they have had really nothing to lose and played with that spirit, as of late, because they were dead. You know, you can't kill a a dead man. That's kind of the way they're playing. I think they're a dangerous team, Hutton. I really do. And I'm also amazed at Aaron Rodgers' uh, romantic life in season. (laughs) (laughs) He goes from one girlfriend to another. Yeah, how do you think he keeps up with that? Outkick's got the stories now, apparently, with Mallory Edens, who is the heiress of the Milwaukee Bucks. I'm always impressed by the fact that he makes these changes in season. You want my theory? He's very shifty in the scramble mode as a quarterback,
0: and also very shifty in his personal life. I think he probably appreciates the assumption he's shifting. My assumption is he's juggling. (laughs) Well, one
2: was uh, like stuck in South America, right, at one point? So maybe it's just, you know, in case that
0: doesn't work out, we got to have the the backup. It's like, oh, we saw him with the Milwaukee Bucks heiress. He must be dating her now. And I'm thinking, well... You probably just finally saw them together. I'm
2: betting also the Milwaukee Bucks heiress <laughs> that he's
0: dating doesn't
2: take the shaman or whoever she is seriously. Blue of Earth or whatever her name Blue is? Blue of Earth, yeah. She's probably thinking, I've got this in the bag. Or Shailene. I'm not too worried about Well, Shailene she'd worry about. She's a Hollywood star. Also one. a shaman. Yes, true, yes. Both are very natural in, <laughs> in a lot of ways. Uh, but I feel like Shailene's more of a threat if you're Mallory Eden's, yeah, Yes. And I don't think she thinks much of the shaman. That's just my guess. Not yeah. knowing them personally, that's the way I and feel. And
0: Mallory Edens is much more in line with... How old court- is Mallory Edens? Quarterback, like, girlfriend, right? Like, Yeah. Um,
2: I showed this to someone earlier. I said, how, how old... She looks very young. I don't need to know. No, young? <laughs> she doesn't look very young. I mean, late 20s, maybe? Mid, mid-late mid 20s? Not very young, no. You got me one to look it up now. He's no DiCaprio. No, 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 no. Not, I'm not saying, like, you know, uh, illegally young or anything. I'm just saying, young compared to other women he's dated. Oh, okay. Shailene Woodley's in her thirties. Danica Patrick's older than he is. Mm-hmm. Um, blue, <laughs> blue of earth. Does she have a chronological age?
0: Probably a hundred million carbon years old. dated. Yeah.
2: I mean, exactly how do you as like the Do you look at the, the, the skin on her heel and like mm-hmm. s- uh, count the rings? And that's how you <laughs> guess her age. Does she even have a birth certificate? 26. Mallory Edens is 26. Look at Colin getting that work done for us. I was like, again, I was, I had DiCaprio wouldn't date her. I had Google up. I was searching She's too Mallory old. Edens' age. Too old. Do you think I'd Leo. get a reading if I put Blue of Earth age? Ready for this, Hutton?
0: Yeah, it's going to give you the Earth's core estimated age. No,
2: this is great. What pops up is she is around 30 to 35. Wow. <laughs> no one knows. No one knows. Oh. Uh, her net worth is one to two million. That was
0: with or without Rodgers?
2: Uh, this was five days ago, so I guess she was with him at that and point. There you go.
0: What I do know is, <laughs> Amazing that is story. one big thing on every NFL game for week 18. We
2: got to all of it.
0: I think we did. Probably not.
2: It's well done. The games that matter. Can we, we talk more
0: about Mallory Edens? We absolutely can. During the break or next?
2: Uh, both. both. Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, we will, and we'll give you the very latest out of Cincinnati with uh, Damar Hamlin as well. It's all straight ahead on
1: OutKick360.
0: Believe it or not, Chad, both the Titans and the Jaguars can make the postseason without the NFL expanding to eight teams the postseason. What a wonderful postseason it would be. Wow. <laughs> so That's honestly, look, the, that's, that's not the scenario anyone wants. The only scenario where that happens, the Titans would beat Jacksonville on Saturday. They would become the AFC South champs with Joshua Dobbs at quarterback. And the Jags would get in, even with a loss— If the Patriots, Steelers, and Dolphins all lost in Week 18, Jacksonville would win on their losing ways into the postseason, and they would be on the road in the AFC against Buffalo, Kansas City, or Cincinnati. That is not an ideal scenario
2: for the AFC playoffs, for both those teams to get in. Let's just play this win and end on Saturday night in the AFC South and be done with the AFC South after one more week of football. That's, that's, to me... If there is justice in this in the NFL, I, that's what's gonna happen. I, I,
0: I'm with you though. I, I don't want to stay on the Jags. Yeah, I don't I I can't write them off. Um uh, right now, the most likely scenario is Chargers,
2: Jags, right? Yeah.
0: yeah Chargers if a, if they win, they are guaranteed to go on the road against the AFC South next week in the playoffs. And that's either Tennessee or Jacksonville. I don't think the Titans are winning this week, let alone next week, okay? But Jacksonville is one of those teams where they are coming together at the right time. I don't think they're Cincinnati of last year. I was fooled by the Bengals last year. But I do think they could win a game in this AFC against uh, the Chargers who, I mean, Herbert's been good, but it's not like he's playing like Trevor Lawrence, if we're being totally honest. It's not like you look at his numbers and he's got 16 touchdown passes in his last six games.
2: Best scenario for the good of the NFL and the continuation of the playoffs, first off, is that just the winner of that game and the and it and end, yeah. that's the only AFC South <laughs> team that goes. Yes. Second is that that winner of that game loses their first game <laughs> and does not make an appearance in the divisional round. But I said it before on this show, and I'll say it again. I keep having visions in my head of 2010, terrible NFC West, the Seahawks coming out of that division, with a 7-9 and nine record that year and hosting a wild atmosphere game against the Saints and pulling off a huge upset with Marshawn Lynch. I keep coming back to that. Maybe it happens again
0: yep. with the AFC South winner. Yep. And the NFL, for all the buzz about seven seats, keep in mind, Green Bay, when they won the Super Bowl in Dallas, it's not like they were the one seed going through that playoff run. We've seen crazier things happen uh, throughout the, the playoff path. Uh, we'll have plenty more coverage tomorrow as well as coverage on the national championship game for the college football playoff between Georgia and TCU. Uh, Chad, the good news, though, as we wrap up, Damar Hamlin, the best of news from the doctors today saying that uh, his brain is – is everything's good. Neurolog- everything's good with the – Yeah, neurologically intact. Thank you. You got it. And yep. then, you know, now we wait on the critically ill status uh, to – be normal that's the next thing but it is great news today out of cincinnati hope you'll join us tomorrow for outkick 360 across the outkick network